All right, Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. For this episode, we're going to talk about names. And as far as names concerned, we're talking about common names versus scientific names. Now, I got an interesting email a couple weeks ago, and I didn't realize where it came from until afterwards I started picking up some of the details. But somebody emailed me and basically said that they had no time to learn the scientific names because it was just a waste of time. They change all the time anyway, and that they stick to common names. I assume this person was asking some rather basic questions about husbandry, so I assume they were new to the tarantula keeping hobby so i decided to spend a little time just giving my two cents about common names and scientific names now to be very very clear i enjoy teaching about tarantulas and i think in order to teach about tarantulas the trick is to not make people feel stupid so i'm very used to the fact that people just getting into the hobby and i remember what it was like when i first started researching tarantulas and trying to figure out what i wanted to buy and whatnot people in the hobby are used to the common names. They're much easier to remember. What is more difficult to remember? Pisletheria vitata or what ghost ornamental spider? It's just, it, it, especially for those of us who speak English, it, their common names just roll off the tongue a lot more easily and they're usually easier to remember. So I'm very accustomed to people emailing me about their curly hair tarantula or their rose hair tarantula or their ornamental or their baboons, blue baboon spider, whatever it may be. And I'm totally okay with that. And I've also found the majority of these people that I managed to keep in touch with will start using the scientific names because it's kind of, for the hobby, I think it's kind of a badge of honor when you start learning the names. I remember how excited I was when I was able to actually look through vendor lists of what they were offering and recognize some of the scientific names I had been studying and looking at. So again, from my perspective, I don't want to turn somebody off to the hobby that contacts me and says, hey, Tom, by the way, my Haitian brown tarantula is giving me a hard time. I'm, I'm worried that it's getting a little mean after its last mole. I'm not going to stop and go, all right, first off, that's for Mictopus cancerides. just there's no point in it I will when people when I respond to people sometimes I will put the scientific names in parentheses and for me that's just sort of my way of remembering which species I'm talking about so when we talk about for example somebody said they had a striped knee tarantula and I was trying to figure out whether they're talking about an A. geniculata or an A. simani and so once I figured out what they were talking about, I put a geniculata there, more for me, but I will continue to refer to it as your striped knee or your white knee, whatever they may be. And again, I think that's an important thing for anybody who is fashioning themselves as somebody who's going to give advice to tarantula keepers, that the majority of them are going to come in with the common names. And if we want them to start using the scientific names, there's a way to go about it where you're not alienating them or making them feel like you're basically putting them down for not being in the know for some of those things. So anyway, I got this email and what I did was I sent an article, linked to an article I'd done about common names and scientific names and particularly why it's a good thing to learn the scientific names. And I was kind of shocked when the guy came back with, a, yeah, that's all great, but I honestly don't agree with that. What we need to do is work on better identification of our common names. We need to come up with a way to make sure that our common names are good across the board. And I was kind of shocked at this because... Again, I'm not a know-it-all. I've made it very clear I don't consider myself an expert. I just try to share some of the advice I have. And notice most of what I talk about is the easier husbandry information. And I pride myself on being able to, when somebody comes up with a differing point than my own, debate reasonably and intelligently and without emotion. 
and in this case, it just kind of seemed odd because this was a person that obviously hadn't spent much time in the hobby. Just the questions they were asking were, you know, basic questions. And I'm not accustomed to people turning around and going, uh-uh, I don't agree with you, which again, everybody is, I think everybody is obviously entitled to their own opinion. A lot of what I've tried to do through Tom's Big Spiders is throw th- things out there that, you know, every once in a while I'll come up with something that isn't generally conceded to be a popular opinion. For example, we talked about digging up spiders, specifically the P. muticus, and that was one I was kind of hesitant to put out there, but I do, it's something I ob- observed, and I'm glad I put it out there because more people came forward and said they observed the same things. So we start thinking a little differently about them. So I'm not adverse against hearing and entertaining and debating Debating alternate viewpoints to my own. However, I do think you need to come, if you're going to come with that type of debate, you do need to have some type of background knowledge. So I'm not going to go and debate about soccer and start talking about one team being better than another when I know absolutely nothing about soccer. So I was a little put off only by the fact this person really dug in and they said they had seen a video or something where somebody had talked about that the big problem in the hobby is that as hobbyists we need to get together and come up with common names and I had never heard that one before I gave it some thought after the fact and was thinking about it and hence here we are in my podcast going to discuss it but here's my take on the whole thing I think sometimes in the hobby, people newer to the hobby get kind of frustrated and upset when folks try to talk about the importance of scientific names. They feel like when you step in and try to correct them or try to say, hey, yeah, that's great. I know you called it curly hair, but we called it brachypelma albopelosum, and we talk about binomial nomenclature. It, it seems like we're putting ourselves at a state where we're looking down at them, that we're being aloof because we have information they don't. And I think that's important for people getting in the hobby to know that's not the case. A lot of us started exactly where you were. Nobody walked into this hobby knowing these names. And I think one of the things that people get hung up on is the fact that we don't generally in the pet trade refer to all of our animals using binomial nomenclature. So for example, we don't call our dogs by their scientific names. We don't call our snakes generally by our scientific names for those of us who are in the uh, herp hobby and, and breed and raise snakes. So why do we do it with tarantulas? And that's, a, that's an excellent question. But I think part of the issue is a lot of the species that we're dealing with have been around for a long, long time. There aren't as many of them. And the ones that are in the trade are very recognizable. So for dogs, people will go, well, we don't call the, the different scientific names for breeds of dogs and that's because there's a difference between breeds and species so we'll have some people that will bring up the point well hey we don't hear anybody calling the dogs by their scientific name um cannabis what is it canis lupus familiaris um, i have to admit i had to look that up online i'm looking at it right now on google so nobody please don't think i'm some snoot that knows all these names i'm looking up canis lupus familiaris we don't call it that we call them dogs they're dogs and that's understandable when we talk about breeds it's just different types it's kind of like when you're talking different color variations of tarantulas they're still dogs so i i get the confusion there where people are like why don't we do this for other pets but the problem is that there are so many species of tarantulas coming into the market now there's so many available there's so many being discovered even you know every time you turn around they've found another new species of tarantula so it's something we still have to find a way to identify them now i like scientific uh, names personally because when you say brachypelma albopelosum we know what we're talking about we know which species we're talking about for the most part and i'll get into for the most part part in a moment uh, if I say Formictibus cancerides, I know which spider I'm talking about. That just narrows it right down. Now, if I say Haitian brown, 
that's fantastic. But unfortunately, we've already decided, and it's been widely known, that there are two species of tarantulas referred to as the Haitian brown. One is the Formictibus adachromatus. The other one is the Formictibus cancerides. So which one are you talking about? Now it gets confusing. And that's part of the problem I have with the common names, is they become confusing because there are so many that overlap. How many bird eaters are out there? There are so many species of bird eaters to the point where some of the people that create these names, and I got a funny feeling they get lazy about it sometime, will just start calling things a Peruvian blonde bird eater, Peruvian tan bird eater. Um, what did I see the other day? The Australian spider, I heard, was called the Australian bird eater. There are so many spiders out there that are called bird eaters. I don't even want to get started on the common name bird eater. I was just showing my neighbor, my T. Sturman, the other day. My neighbor is an arachnophobe, and he's trying to be a fantastic guy because, honestly, he doesn't kill spiders. He's one of those ones like me that's fascinated by them, but I'm terrified of them. And I showed him my Sturman, and I said, yeah, the common name of this is the bird eater. He's like, oh, so these guys pull birds out of the trees. So that, instead of just showing him a spider, getting him over his fear, and he was in awe of it, a little freaked out, but he did great with it. Instead of getting him over his fear, what we ended up in is a discussion about the avicularia species and how the first ones observed. One of them was eating a bird, so they got the term bird eater, but then bird eaters just began, became kind of a reference for large spiders, and it just became so confusing and made my little quote-unquote lesson about these guys so much more difficult to give. So there's a spot where common names, the overlap is a huge issue. Striped knees, white knees, I can't tell you how many different spiders are referred to by these by these fake names, and it gets very confusing, and that's one of my biggest issues is that two of the most common beginner species that people will pick up at pet stores are geniculata um, the A. geniculata and the A. simani, a fauna palma and a canthoscuria species. Unfortunately, they're both called striped knees or white knees. I can't remember. And again, I'm horrible with the common names. When people use common names with me, I usually hop on Google and try to figure out what they are. And sometimes this leads to confusion because then I'm not sure which species we're talking about. So the common names, although they are great placeholders for those of us who just get into the hobby and I use them and I still use them like the GBB, for example, those are ones that are certain common names that have kind of transcended it and become something that even people that are educated and know the scientific names will use. So I think of the LP, the Lasiodora parahibana, or the GBB, the Green Bottle Blue, or the C. Cayenneo pubicens, or what the other one is, the OBT, which is obviously a common name. It's P. murinus, but people use OBT. So there's some of them that kind of, they become the rock stars of the tarantula hobby, and everybody just knows their names. Even curly hairs to a point. When you say curly hairs, you know what you're talking about for the most part. But I do think that many of them can be confusing. Some species don't have common names. I always joke about my fire hiney, which is, uh, I believe, my Lasiodora um, itabune, which is one of my favorite spiders. But when I was looking up a common name for it, there was something about, like, red rump. And then I realized that kind of crossed over to another species of Lasiodora. So I just jokingly called it a fire hiney, and I felt bad because this was a couple years ago. Somebody contacted me and went, yeah, I just picked up a fire hiney. And I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? And I realized, oh, God, this is me because I made a joke about it, and somebody took it as a real thing. So 
keep in mind some of these common names you have to ask where they come from and it's people just kind of assigning them it's like anybody can do it and it's not that difficult if you've got a vendor out there that has a species that nobody knows about or that there's only a couple of them coming into and i'm just talking about united states right now it's probably different in other countries and again i always implore you guys to chime in about it if you got somebody that's got kind of a name for themselves does a good business you could easily create your own common name it's not that difficult to do it's just something that somebody names it the the brown spindly finger. It, there you go. That could be something right there. And it, it catches on and people just start calling them brown spindly fingers. So the common names are great, I think, for placeholders. I expect people new to the hobby to be using them. I understand that people that are just getting into the hobby can find the scientific names to be a bit intimidating. And I, I totally get that. But it is something I think most of us that plan on being in the hobby for a while really need to take our time and try to learn them. I think it is something worthwhile to learn. Now, am I going to sit there and tell somebody new to the hobby you absolutely have to learn these? No. And are they difficult to learn? Yes. And are they even more difficult to pronounce? We'll go on to any of my videos and look at some of the arguments of the way I pronounce things. I try so hard, but there are apparently different ways of pronouncing different, you know, I've found out there's several different types of Latin. Some people say it's one way. Some people say scientific Latin is one way and medical Latin is another way. And it just, it gives me a headache. So I think we all give it our best shot because these names are more meant to be written as opposed to being pronounced. And I think that's important to remember. And that's one of the big sticking points I think for folks who want common names it's like all right we're using these scientific terms but these aren't really things that most people are going to know and be able to throw around but I do find personally it was this way for me that one of the big benchmarks in the hobby for me is when I finally was able to mem remember many of these common names and use these common names and when I started doing the videos then I had to start pronouncing the common names and I will tell you that brought so much anxiety because I would sit there I knew what I wanted to talk about I knew how I'd been referring to this animal in my head and I was all ready to get going the video and would start recording I'd be like Firmictibus cancerides or you just couldn't I couldn't figure out how to pronounce these things so I totally get that and I get why that causes some apprehension for people and some anxiety when they're getting into the hobby and trying to learn these names because they are difficult it's not an easy task but I do feel like it's one of those things when you start getting the hang of them and you start referring to them and I've spoken to other keepers who feel the same way that's when you feel like you're starting to move up a bit in the hobby that's kind of like one of those benchmarks where you're all right I got my husband down I know how to rehouse them and now I'm starting to be able to rattle off some of these scientific names because it wasn't that long ago where I was looking for tarantulas online and basically what I would do is I would pull up the vendor listing, I would read the scientific name, go what the heck is that and I would go over and google the scientific name to get the common name so I knew what the heck I was looking at. In fact I would actually make wish, wish lists where I would put the common names and then go research the scientific names and try to memorize them. I spent a lot of time doing this. Now, granted, I like this kind of stuff. That's part of the fun of a hobby for me. And I think that's part of what comes with any hobby is learning that jargon, learning the verbiage that goes along with it, learning the definitions of some of the, you know, you, you talk to about any hobby, it's got its own lexicon. And part of getting into the hobby is learning that lexicon. And I do believe in my heart that part of really getting into the tarantula hobby is learning those scientific names eventually. There's no hurry and you can look them up. And some people, I, I've talked to people who've been in the, the, 
hobby for quite some time that still don't have a lot of them memorized. They have to look them up, and that's totally okay. There should be no pressure. It's a hobby. It's fun. But I think it does make it easy to communicate, and I think that's what the majority of my issue is about with people that try to enforce, and and we're going to get to this point in a minute because this is where my conversation turned with this person that emailed, for people that try to enforce common names that those should be the standard. I find that a little silly because I think that part of getting into the hobby is learning the language of the hobby. That's what it's all about. Um, I've joked before about uh, I collect Transformers. I love Transformers. a huge geek in the 80s for Transformers. Now that I'm an adult and I can afford them all, it's been like this fun thing for me. Plus, I just enjoy the puzzle aspect of transforming it. Um, one of the many things that makes me a giant goober. Anyway, there's there's a whole language that goes along with collecting these figures. I won't get into it. You can talk about kibble. You can talk about shell formers. But there were things I had to learn when I started collecting and realized that there were other people just as geeky as me out there. And when I was able to throw those words around and use them, that was that, that created a sense of pride in me. It was like, all right, I'm kind of really part of the hobby now. So I do believe that every hobby has its own set of terms, its own lexicon, its own language. And Part of becoming a huge hobbyist is learning that language, and I think most of us in the tarantula hobby do learn that language. Now, are, gonna, are there going to be people out there that keep these animals and only get one or two and don't get really deep in the hobby and use the common name? Heck yeah. As a matter of fact, I was one of them for many, many years. We called my tarantula a rosy. That was, it wasn't even, the, we didn't even call her a rose hair. People go, what kind of tarantula is that? Go, oh, rosy. I didn't even know what the common name was really. It was something rose. So we called her a rosy for years. Everybody would come over. Oh, you got a tarantula. What kind of tarantula is that? Oh, that's a rosy. So I've been there. I've done that. Maybe that's why it's easy for me to appreciate when folks don't quite know these names yet. I, I totally get it. And again, I want to be, make it very, very clear. If there's somebody out there that's been in the hobby for a few years and you think, well, Tom Moran's saying I'm not a real hobbyist because I still don't know these names. I'm not saying that at all. What it, The idea of a hobby is to enjoy it and have fun. It shouldn't be stressful. If you're not learning the names naturally and you don't feel like spending the time, that's totally fine. Obviously, you're doing okay. You're able to shop because most vendors do list the scientific names first. You're able to do your shopping. You're able to find what species you want. There's no problem there. I'm just talking about the overall idea that common names are better than or should be used like scientific names. I just don't agree with that. Now, where this email really took a turn is where the individual had apparently seen some video and one of his beliefs was that as hobbyists, we needed to come together and fix the common names. And I thought I was confused at first because I was like, what do you mean fix common names? And he's like, well, we need to have a standard. I'm like, but we have a standard. We have scientific name. And his argument was, well, scientific names change all the time. Just look at Brachypelma smithy is now Brachypelma hammeri. And this is where I got a little confused and where things got a little strange. Because bottom line, the best thing about scientific names is when something gets assigned a scientific name, it means they were studied. It means taxonomists went out there in the field. They collected specimens. They analyzed them. They studied them for differences. And they're basically describing these species. They're saying this is not a brachiasic clap. This is not a Brachypelma smithy. This is Brachypelma hemorrhoid. We found uh, material, genetic material from a hemorrhoid years ago, and unfortunately somebody mislabeled the same material as smithy, and that's been wrong. That's a good thing. I know nobody likes the scientific name changes. I know we get 
impatient sometimes when we talk about, you know, like Eulathus species is probably going to be moved into a homeoma. And people get frustrated because, no, it's always going to be Eulathus uh, species red. Well, no, it won't. But just know if they're changing the names, it means that that research that we're all hoping for is getting done. Don't you want to know what you're keeping? I don't want to be keeping a bunch of hybrids or a bunch of misidentified spiders. So as much as I was like everybody else, when Smithy, which I considered to be a hobby staple, like that was the poster child of the tarantula hobby, suddenly had its name changed, that was jarring for me. That was difficult, but it meant somebody was doing the research and studying them. And when they start doing the research, that creates um, interest in them. That can sometimes lead to conservation. That's all a good thing. So to take the stance that scientific names aren't worth it because, well, they change too, and that's a mess, that's kind of ridiculous for me. That's our starting point. That's where even if something's got a genus assigned to it and with the species afterwards, that's a very important thing. It means somebody has studied it and at least thinks it's in this genus. Now, again, those can all change. But that's what we want as hobbyists, especially as hobbyists that want to see this hobby continue 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, is for people to start identifying these animals, labeling them correctly, examining the materials they need, and deciding what they are. And then hopefully, again, this leads to uh, conservation. So to say we want to fix the common names and come up with common names, I just find that bizarre because we've already got something in place that works. Granted, we've talked about the shortcomings. It can be difficult to learn them. They can be difficult to pronounce, but it's already established. Why would we create something new? I just That's when I have a tough time wrapping my mind around. Again, not saying they don't have their spot. I, I don't think common names will ever completely go away. They do have a place. You know What, what else are pet stores refer to things as? And there's another spot where I wish they'd use scientific names, but or it does allow newcomers to kind of it's like training wheels to get to know these things in the hobby because you start learning the common names as a newcomer, as a newbie, and then you start slowly but surely learning those scientific names. So I do think there are merits to it, but to decide that we're going to basically improve common names to come up with common names that are standardized across the board when we already have something in place just seems a little bit over the top and bizarre to me. Now, the argument this person had was, well, if we took care of scientific names, we as the hobby, the scientific names belong to the scientific community. The common names belong to the hobby. And I have a hard time with that one because I don't necessarily believe that. I do believe, obviously, common names are born of people trying to sell these things to people who are going to keep them as pets. So I get that part. That's If you're going to analyze where exactly these come from, hobbyists are creating them. But I don't necessarily think the majority of hobbyists that have been in this for a long time consider common names an important part of our hobby. Again, they're the training wheels, and then we get to the scientific names. Most of us who have been in the hobby for a while and that have kept a lot of species refer to the binomial nomenclature, the, the two-name system with the Latin names, not the common names. So I think as far as the hobby is concerned, yes, the common names are probably born out of the hobby. You can't discount that. But I think most of us outgrow the common names. They're kind of like there's levels to this. And people that are just coming in, yep, use the common names. But then people that get really established when you're trying to buy species for breeding purposes, when you're ordering overseas, and we'll get to that important aspect in a moment, you are going by scientific name. So most of us are trying to get people not to buy at pet stores where these things are used. That's the majority of the place. As far as the hobby is concerned, that's where I see most of them used. When you're buying from pet stores or people that are selling tarantulas that don't know anything about tarantulas, those are the ones using the common names. For the most part, if you're looking for a reputable dealer and they're going, hey, buy this you know, giant three-pronged curly hair or some kind of bizarre name, 
and not using the scientific name, that's not somebody I particularly encourage you to buy from because most of the reputable dealers use the scientific names first, then the common names second. So I think saying that they're born out of the hobby is true, but it's only a small portion of the hobby and not the heart of the hobby, which is the serious hobbyists. Those of us who keep many, many species and do research on them and consider you know, breeding and things of that nature, those that part of the hobby, the people that are reproducing, are using the scientific names. So yes, it's more of the hobby, but I don't think as hobbyists, we really need to sit down and standardize these things. I, I think they're there. They're, you know, they're practical in many respects. They serve a, pur- a purpose to a point, but then they kind of get old. And I think one thing we forget is a lot of times I hear this, it's from people in the United States and Canada that were used to the English names. What would it take? What type of undertaking would it be to get the entire tarantula community worldwide to settle on common names. It's impossible. It's one of those things that if you approach it from a logical uh, standpoint, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that everybody could come around and come up with names. We're really going to put together some type of hobbyist council where we're going to get together and have representatives from all over the world because something that is it sounds good in English may not sound good in Spanish, may not sound good in German, may not sound good in French. The French may have their own names. We could have their own names. Um, I talked to somebody in Israel that keeps tarantulas. They, have their, they could have their own common names. It just doesn't make any sense. The scientific part is universal. The scientific names are already go across, it doesn't matter what country you're in, they all know the scientific names. A lot of people here in the United States import tarantulas. When you have to look at those import lists, you're not looking at a bunch of common names. That would be an absolute nightmare. I can't even fathom looking at the common names from different places because a lot of these, as we've stated in the past, a lot of our uh, in, uh, inbred, yeah, captive bred stock in the United States is imported from overseas, from like Europe and Germany you know, in particular. I know some come from Poland. They all have their own names for things. There would be a language barrier there unless the person was really fluent in English and knew the English common names. So when the people import over here, the list they look at are the scientific names. They know exactly what they're getting at that point. They don't have to guess. There's no guesswork. If I want uh, a Phonopelma species, I can get a Phonopelma species. If I want Brachypelma, I'm looking for a Brachypelma. They all have their scientific names in check, which makes it easier to order, make sure that we know what we're getting in this country because there's already been enough confusion with species being sold or mislabeled and they get in the hobby and we don't know what we're dealing with. So unfortunately, I don't think that standardizing common names is a realistic option by any stretch of the imagination because you'd literally have to get everybody in the international tarantula community together to come up with these names and then have everybody start using them. And then I think the majority of the people that you would need to know these names are the ones that are just getting into the hobby. So we're exactly back where we started from, where people getting into the hobby aren't even going to know the actual standardized common names we've created in much the same way that they don't know the scientific names. It's all about when you're getting into this hobby, you got to remember, the common names are easier to pronounce by far. They're easier to remember, but you still have to learn them. So the learning starts somewhere. So again, I think it all goes back to my my idea. And this is just my opinion on this. So if somebody's sitting there all offended right now, can't wait to get on the keyboard and pound something out, please just know this is just my personal opinion on it. The common names are great to start things off. They get people in the hobby, they're approachable, they're easily remembered, but 
the majority of folks will eventually graduate off of those and start using the scientific names. And I think the majority of us that do that don't bemoan it. We don't sit there and go, man, I spent so much time in this darn hobby just trying to remember these stupid names. I think we exchange jokes about it. I think sometimes to help people feel better that are struggling with learning them, we share our own stories. I know I will talk about how I'd screwed up the names before. Heck, there are videos out there of me screwing them up all the time. So I totally get that. But I don't necessarily see it as a problem. It's just common names are going to be what common names are. They're names that Joe Schmoes, anybody can make up a common name at any given time. There's no scientific backing on them. You can call them anything you want. I could go start calling my Uathla species red my little blue Goliath. It doesn't matter. It's just their names that allow people to access the hobby. And usually, again, I want to point out, they're the ones that the pet stores use, the people that are not informed. So what happens is people go to a pet store, they find their species, and then when they start doing homework on it, because a lot of people will pick up the animal first and then start doing homework. I get a lot of people contact me that have already bought it, and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, and I realize I didn't know what I was doing and how to keep it. Totally fine, it happens, but when they start doing their homework, that's when they start becoming more aware of the scientific names and how more established hobbyists refer to these animals by the scientific names. So do we have a quote-unquote problem with common names in the hobby? I really don't think we do. They've been there for a long time. We keep making them up. People use them for a little while. Some people that haven't been in the hobby as much or aren't as deep into the hobby will continue to use them. But I wouldn't say it's a problem. Are they problematic? Yes, they overlap. They're made up by Joe Schmoes. There's nothing really scientific to back up what they are, how they are assigned. They are not able to be used. They don't cross borders. They're not an international, normally an internationally recognized name. So if I come up with something in English, it's not necessarily going to be like that in Europe. As a matter of fact, some of the Europeans will kind of giggle at us sometimes because of some of our common names. So is it problematic? Yes, but it's kind of part of the hobby. Does it need fixing? No, I don't think it needs fixing. I don't think, I, I think it comes down to the fact where if you play this one out, really, Realistically, there is no way ever in heck we are going to get everybody together that we need to come up with how many species are in the market, hundreds of species in the market, to basically make sure all of our common names across all the borders are all set and defined and we know which species they go to and everything. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. So can it be a problem with the common names? Again, I've illustrated how when people are asking about you know, a white knee or whatever or a striped knee, how it could cause a bit of confusion. But it's quickly remedied if you hop on Google or ask a couple more questions. Is your tarantula quite large? Does it have a red fanny? Like, there's things you can do to find out exactly what they're talking about. So I don't think it's a huge problem. I think we have bigger things to deal with. To suggest that scientific names are not worthwhile because they change all the time, well, that's not true. They don't change all the time. And when they do change, it means somebody is studying these animals that we love, figuring out where they live, figuring out what species they are, defining them, and that's going to make them have a better shot at surviving if people actually care about them. So it's frustrating as it may be when your favorite species has a name change i just had the t psycho which i actually like the name of it just had a ring to it and i'm a huge horror movie fan so i couldn't help but giggle at the name just had a name change i don't even i have the name written down i don't even know it yet i don't have it memorized there you go i still got to figure it out h something but it just happened i was like oh but then you know what it means that somebody took looked at this 
supposed new species realized it had already been identified before, and now it's correctly labeled. That is a good thing. That is a great thing. That is what we want to see. We want to see more scientific name changes. And can they be confusing? Sure. But again, they're based in science. They travel across borders. Everybody knows what the scientific names are. They use them in matter which country you're coming from. They will use the scientific names, so there's no confusion if you're ordering or whatever. And they're already established. So if anything, we need to get more people out there doing the taxonomy on tarantulas so we can get more of these names corrected, know exactly what we have, study some of these things, study some of the species that may be hybridized. That's where we need to focus some energies. But to sit there and try to come up with standardized common names, it's just, it's not logically viable. It's not going to work. I, 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 like the person I was talking to was like, well, you know, at least we got to try something. I don't think we do. I think we leave them the way they are. People will continue to make them up. It's just part of the hobby. It can be annoying at times for those people that are in well-established that have a, you know, a hard time dealing with people that use common names. Just try to lighten up a bit and remember where you were every Everybody started in this hobby at some point using those common names and then try to encourage the people. All right. All right. Hey, you know, like what I usually do and it's the honest God truth is I'll tell people I'm not, I'm terrible with common names. So, Hey, thanks for letting me know about your, you know, Peruvian bird eater, but just to let you know, I had to look that up and it's this species. I can't remember which one it is, but so that's where I think we need to focus on. I don't think common names are the answer or standardizing common names are the answer. I think they will continue to go along as they were. I do believe scientific names are where it's at as far as I'm concerned. But again, I'm not going to fault anybody that approaches me with the common names. So I'll open this one up as I'm done. And obviously, I, I usually post these on Facebook so people can comment. But what, what, does every, what does everybody else think about this? I honestly didn't find learning scientific names to be all that bad. And again, it was a, it was a pride thing for me, especially when I started writing about them. I honestly don't think Tom's Big Spiders would be the success it is now if I started off using the common names. I think a lot of people wouldn't have taken me seriously, quite frankly. So I think that's very important to mention. But what do you guys think about it? Do we need the standardized names? I mean, I've given you my opinion. I don't think so. I think we'll continue to make them as new animals are discovered. And a lot of times what happens is you'll get like a Hapopelma species and then they make something up. And then later on that kind of starts to become the common name. So I get where they come from. And I wouldn't say completely, and I want to make this very clear too, I wouldn't say completely do away with them because I think people need them getting into the hobby. But I think they serve their purpose. They are not a problem, but they're problematic. And I just don't foresee any instance of us ever getting together as a community and standardizing them. But what do you all think? What is what is everybody thinking out there? So please feel free to chime in with your comments on this one. I'd also love to hear your stories about, you know, are you still learning the scientific names? How are you learning scientific names? That might be something fun to discuss in the future because I think there are some tricks to it. And are you one of those hobbyists that's a pet peeve of yours when somebody uses the common names? Because I do think this is where part of the, the problem comes up is when folks jump in and correct somebody. We don't know the common names around here. I have no idea what that is. It should be this. It, it puts people off. There's a way to approach them like, hey, I, I understand that you, you know, you've used a common name there. Uh, the, the scientific name would be a little more useful because I'm not sure which species you're referring to. Do it in a way that they don't feel like they've just got basically ripped apart because they didn't know something. That just makes people feel foolish and kind of squashes any desire they've got to reach out and look for help. So that'll do it for this one. I'd be curious to hear back from people what they think about this 
quote-unquote issue. I really didn't think it was that huge of an issue, but I, I guess it's starting to heat up, and I've noticed some I'm part of a Tarantula YouTube channel group where I notice a lot of people putting up videos. So I'm going to go back and watch some of these and see what they say. And I got a funny feeling everybody's pretty much on the same page. But it'll be interesting to hear other people's takes on it. But uh, yeah, feel free to chime in on Facebook. As usual, if you want to check out my YouTube page, it's Tom's Big Spiders YouTube channel, excuse me. And if you want to check out my website, it's Tom's Big Spiders.com. As usual, thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you guys next time.